Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we got a lot to get to. We're going to start with the new eviction moratorium, which looks a lot like the old eviction moratorium. This was put out yesterday by the Biden administration, or I think maybe the Biden administration doesn't realize the CDC is a part of the executive branch. Well, well, We'll, we'll get to that in a second here. So the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, signed an order on Tuesday determining that evictions of tenants for failure to make rent or housing payments could be detrimental to public health. So this is a new eviction order. The Biden administration was facing a lot of criticism from the left wing of the party when they let the eviction moratorium expire and they were saying you got to do something and well now they have so what does the order say accordingly subject to the limitations under applicability a landlord owner of a residential property or other person with a legal right to pursue eviction or possessory action shall not evict any covered person from any residential property in any county or U.S. territory while the county or territory is experiencing substantial or high levels of community transmission of SARS COVID-19 or COV-2, which is very subjective. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, uh, you could make this argument about anywhere. I mean, any place where you're seeing an upward movement, you could argue is high levels of community transfer. Now the Delta variant, I mean, this pretty much covers every single place. So what constitutes a covered person? There are two standards that must be met. One, the individual has used their best efforts to obtain all available government assistance, which once again, I think is somewhat subjective. Uh, and the individual earned less than $99,000 last year or is expected to earn no more than 99000 this year. When you're talking about couples, that number doubles to 198000 So this moratorium will last until October 3rd, but then based on previous expiration dates, I wouldn't say we would put this one in stone because this one may get extended. And while this won't help everybody, Senator Chuck Schumer said that it will cover about 90% of renters. So here we go. Another eviction moratorium. But this one is a little different because this one has a big, dark cloud over it that President Joe Biden actually somewhat referenced at his press conference on Tuesday because at the end of June, the Supreme Court in a five to four vote, very important, five to four vote, left in place the nationwide moratorium on evictions. But that should not be a comforting fact for Biden. Why? Well, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who was the deciding vote. So remember, five, four, he was the swing vote. This is what he wrote in his concurring opinion. Because the CDC plans to end the moratorium in only a few weeks on July 31st, and because those few weeks will allow for additional and more orderly distribution of these congressionally appropriated rental assistance fund, I vote at this time to deny the application to vacate the district court's stay of order. So the big question is, where do you think Kavanaugh would stand on the extension? Well, we actually do not have to guess. 
because in his opinion, he concluded with, quote, in my view, clear and specific congressional authorization via new legislation would be necessary for the CDC to extend the moratorium past July 31st. So let's face it. The Republicans are undoubtedly going to challenge this. And as someone who is a fan of the Constitution, yeah, they probably should. And I don't know what the Biden administration is thinking. I mean, there's no doubt that the Republicans are going to challenge it. And it's pretty clear they're going to win. I mean, Kavanaugh expressly stated, this is what I think about an extension. He was not in favor. So the question is, how long will this challenge take to get to the Supreme Court? Because we know what the end game is going to be. And it's really weird because like Biden mentioned this at his press conference and it was almost like, well, the CDC is not part of the executive branch. I mean, he didn't say that, but it's sort of the way he was arguing that like, well, I mean, I, I can't do it. I mean, the Supreme Court was very clear. I can't do it. But the CDC, it's, it's like, wait, hold on. The CDC is under your purview. It is an extension of the executive branch. This is an executive order, even though it's not necessarily from Biden himself. This is the power of the president. And so, yeah, this is this is a problem. I mean, this this is not going to last. Now, the question is, how long does it last? Because it, 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 it's going to get blocked by the Supreme Court. And so is this just a measure to buy some more time as it works its way through the court? Maybe. But this is not a solution that is permanent. I mean, I'm not even talking about the, the date. I'm saying it, it, it will not make it till October 3rd. So the question is, how long does it last? I don't know. But the Supreme Court was very clear. This thing is going to get knocked down without question. And so the question is, how long does it last? And then what does the administration do after that? I guess we'll see. Uh, We did have some good news on, as always, with regards to home prices yesterday. We had the monthly home price insight report from CoreLogic looking at what was happening year over year and month over month and gave us some forecasts for what they expect to happen. So the year over year nationwide price change, 17.2% is how much homes were up in June 2021. That's the highest number we've seen from CoreLogic. On a monthly level, home prices have jumped 2.3%. So from May to June, 2.3% jump. Not too bad. Uh, Frank Martell, president and CEO of CoreLogic, says we still have a supply issue and it is unlikely that demand is going to dissipate anytime soon, saying in a statement, quote, with plenty of cash on the sidelines, along with very low mortgage rates, prices are heading up and affordability will become a more acute issue for the foreseeable future. Now, I mentioned that CoreLogic also does sort of a look forward, a forecast of what's going to be happening, and they actually project a slowdown. For example, they're projecting that by June 2022, we're going to look at we're going to be seeing annualized price growth of just 3.2%, which is crazy to think about because right now home prices are appreciating at almost that level month to month. And they're saying that a year from now, we're only going to be seeing about 3.2%, which means they're expecting in the future that we're going to see some um, price pullback with regards to houses. So overall, the the number will be positive, but there's no way we get to 3.2% without 
at some point, either end of this year or early next year, we see home prices pull back a little bit. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, not when you're growing right now at 2.3%. I mean, that means on an annualized rate for the next year, if to not have that happen, home prices could only grow at 1%. <laughs> so what's more than likely going to happen, we'll see some more 2% months than maybe one, and then it'll be stagnant and it'll, it'll break even. And then we'll start seeing some, some pullback. If that year over year number forecast is to be believed. That's the only way we get to that point. And uh, the other big story yesterday that I saw, speaking of home prices, uh, was there, there was a report from the New York Fed, and it was their quarterly report on household debt and credit. And the headline that I kept seeing from a lot of major outlets was household debt increases 2.1% to $14.96 trillion in the second quarter of 2021, which... I mean, you see that number, you're like, whoa, almost $15 trillion. Household debt's increasing. Oh, no, people are starting to build up debt once again. Because we know that during the crisis, people had actually done a pretty good job of getting themselves in a pretty good fiscal place. They were paying down debt. They were paying off debt. And they were trying not to spend more than they were bringing in. It was actually very refreshing to see. Uh, that's why a lot of people said it was definitely not 2008 when everyone was <laughs> leveraged to the hilt. And then all of a sudden the music stopped and it was it was not very good. Now, it should be noted this was the largest quarter over quarter increase since 2013, the fourth quarter of 2013. However, it's also important to remember, and this is a very important point, I think, that all, not all debt is created equal. While credit card debt did increase the overwhelming majority of the new debt was mortgages. Mortgage balances made up 90% of the increase, $282 billion. Total mortgage debt is now $10.4 trillion at the end of June. Now, credit cards were responsible for about 5.4% of it, $17 billion. And here's, I think, another important point. Even with this increase, credit card balances were still $140 billion lower than they had been at the end of 2019. It uh, should also be noted that auto loans increased by $33 billion, while student loan balances decreased by $14 billion. So, I mean, I would say all in all, this was a pretty good report. I mean, the, the headline, oh no, household debt's increasing, I think didn't really tell the whole story. Because yeah, in a perfect world, no household debt, right? However, in the real world, if you're going to have debt borrowing at historically low costs, we're talking around 3%, whether you're a little bit up, a little bit above, a little bit lower, depending on the mortgage that you got, is about as good as it gets from a historical standpoint. And just to add to the good news, the report also found that 71% of household debt went to borrowers with credit scores over 760 so like I said, I mean, this report, I mean, I mean, it's people borrowing money either, you know, they, they maybe they refied, maybe they did a cash out refi, I should say. Maybe they bought a second home. Maybe they bought a home for the first time. But 90% of this was mortgage or was, was, was um, housing debt. 
And I know people are going to say, oh, Tyler, you know, housing, can you, know, you can't count on it like you used to be able to. I disagree. I mean, I think 2008 was more of a fluke. And the fact that we're seeing 71% of this going to credit scores over 760, 760 means that credit standards are staying high and people are borrowing money for about as close to zero as you can get. I mean, we're talking in a lot of cases under 3%, at 3%, a little bit above 3%. That's far better than people, you know, running up balances on credit cards where they're paying. They got 20, 25 percent. So this is very different, I think. And I, yeah, perfect world. Nobody has debt. But if you're going to have debt, a mortgage is probably the best. debt. I know I'm biased on this. I'm biased. But I've told people that's one of the reasons I got into the business was because I looked at people being able to buy a home especially right now, how cheap it is. Um, If you're going to have debt, that's the best debt to have. So all in all, like I said, not a bad report. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. Uh, Coming out today, we got ADP private employment numbers. We also have mortgage application data. We'll get to all of that on Thursday's show. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.